Hey everyone, welcome back to the Roast West Coast podcast. I'm Ryan Wolt, and I'm excited to be kicking off the new year with you, and more excited to say 2020 is in our rear view. We're in the final couple weeks of season one of this show, and we're taking a bit of a turn. Until now, all of our coffee roasters also had coffee shops, physical locations that you could go to someday, try their various coffees, have a pastry, commune with the roasters themselves, and then hang out on your laptop trying to write the great American novel, or at least a semi-readable one. That last part may just be about me, but you get the point. In the last two episodes of this season, we meet with local roastery founders from Libra and Marea Coffees, who have gone another direction. They only offer subscription-based services. Their coffees are delivered to your home or place of business a set number of times a month on a continuing basis in an effort to ensure that you always have freshly roasted coffee. It's an entirely different business model that precludes any of the potential revenue or brand identity benefits that come with having an actual cafe, but it also doesn't have the same kind of daily operating expenses or hospitality demands. On today's show, I chat with Eric Medina. He's the founder of Libra Coffee in Oceanside, California, and also the company's head roaster. He focuses on high-quality and unique coffee styles and even works with experimentally processed coffee beans. You can check out this week's Substack newsletter on RoastWestCoast.com to learn more about one of those processing techniques called carbonic maceration, which sounds equally confusing and terrifying to me, but that is why I just drink coffee and don't roast it. Back to Libra Coffee. Unlike other subscription-based services where you can choose your roast style, Eric's service is for the more adventurous coffee drinker. He curates the monthly bags being sent out and asks you as the coffee drinker to place a little bit of trust in him as the roaster. While subscriptions have become all the rage this year in part due to the demand created by the pandemic, Eric has been operating this way for years. I first became aware of Libra Coffee at a North County street fair several years ago. Not a farmer's market, but like one of those giant art and flea market fairs where you can get like a giant bag of kettle corn, a 15-foot long painting of a wave, fancy plate for mincing garlic, or a birdhouse made out of license plates. I tried his coffee that day, and I don't actually remember what was pouring. It was a long time ago. But I did remember that Libra had a commitment to helping provide clean water to communities that need it. And I even hung on to the business card that I got that day all these years. According to the World Health Organization, 1 in 10 people worldwide don't have access to clean water near their homes. That is honestly a wild number to think about. 1 in 10. That's not that many people. Clean water coming out of the tap is something that is easy to take for granted if you have it. I rarely even think about not having clean water unless I'm going camping or something. Libra Coffee has partnered with LifeStraw to give water filters to the communities that they source their coffee beans from, which is kind of a cool way to bring it all back around. For each bag of coffee purchased from LibraCoffee.com, $1 goes towards an extra strength water filter, and each filter has the power to provide clean drinking water to 100 people for up to five years. You can learn more about their water efforts at LibraCoffee.com, and while you're there, if you decide to sign up for a subscription, Use the promo code ONEWILDLIFE, all one word, spelled out, lowercase, to get your first bag of coffee free. One wildlife, one word, all lowercase, all spelled out. Subscriptions can be canceled at any time, so there's no risk if you sign up. In a minute, we'll drop into my conversation with Eric, but if you haven't, take a minute to multitask and please sign up for the Roast West Coast newsletter at roastwestcoast.com. The free newsletter is great. And with it, you'll get episode recaps and show updates. And the paid subscription, which is good for a full year, is even better. Right now, there's a great promo running through January 
where a paid subscription comes with a copy of Eli and Jane, the fiction novella with plenty of great coffee drinking scenes I wrote last year, and with every subscription, I'll be buying coffee for frontline healthcare workers fighting this coronavirus and sending support to local hospitality workers in San Diego. Details on roastwestcoast.com. And now, it's time for yet another cup of coffee for me and this show with Libra Coffee's Eric Medina for you. Uh, Eric, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining me for a cup of coffee on the Roast West Coast podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, to talk about Libra Coffee. I was excited that we were able to connect, and I've got a bunch of questions about Libra, but I first, I wanted to ask you about, you have a master's degree in coffee science and economics, which I did not know was a thing. Right. I read a little about it, and it sounds like you mostly just hang out at cafes all day and drink coffee. <laughs> But I want to know kind of how did you find that program? How'd you get into it? Yeah. And I know you did quite a bit of traveling for coffee and for that. How did that impact your attitude towards coffee as opposed to domestically? Right. Well, it started because I started to get passionate about coffee living in La Jolla. Bird Rock was just starting to kind of be one of the main craft roasters in San Diego. And you could really notice the difference in the flavor profiles of the coffee versus like a Starbucks. And so I started a little subscription service and then and then my wife went to USD and she was doing a study abroad program. We went to uh, Germany, went to Berlin, and we went to Istanbul. I was there basically accompanying her, just having a good time, essentially, and uh, talking <laughs> about going to coffee shops all the time, different ones, and, and, and curious if they had any information on, you know, like, this was kind of around the time the flavor wheel was starting to come out, I think. And, you know, talking about flavor profiles and stuff to baristas and either either baristas didn't know or they weren't really helpful sharing information. But this, this one uh, person in Istanbul told me about this master's program in coffee science and economics in Italy. And I said, what? There's such a thing? And, you know, I grew up thinking that college was the pathway to success in, in something. I'm not 100% sure that's true now that I'm a little older. But so when I when I found out, well, maybe I could get into this industry. I felt like this was a good way for me to learn about the entire scope of, of, of the industry. It's very vast. And so I applied to this, this master's in coffee science and economics, took it seriously, sent a, sent a you know, big letter and explained my qualifications and my passion for, for coffee. And they accepted me. And the, the, what's interesting about that coffee science and economics program is, is there was people from all over the world. I was only like, I think the second or third person from the United States to go to the program. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the people in the program were from two people from Ethiopia, one from Burundi, Colombia, China, El Salvador, Honduras, Mexico, Brazil, two from Brazil, it was, uh, Guatemala. It just the list goes on. And it was just such a great cultural experience being able to be surrounded by people from all over the world for about six to seven months, immersed in coffee. It was an incredible experience. And all places that you think of when you think of coffee too, I mean, they're, they're coming from where coffee's being grown. Exactly. Except for China, maybe I don't know as much about China's coffee culture, but mm -hmm. but that would be an, an interesting exploration actually for the future for me. But Right. So after, after finishing that up, I think you mentioned you had already started your subscription service back home before that. I had, but I kind of, I gave it up. Right. I gave it up to do this program to try to figure out, well, where is it that I saw myself in, in the um, industry? 
And um, and at the time, I was I was just taking other people's coffee and sending it like uh, like a misto box, misto box, you know, oh, okay. or trade coffee. And I felt like a little bit of a poser because I didn't really understand very much about coffee at the time. So I was doing this description. I didn't really understand. I didn't really know that much about it, really. Sure. And so I just liked the idea more or less, you know. And so when I got back, I went to the SCA. Uh, conference, which is the Specialty Coffee Association, big show they do once a year, and it was in Seattle. And I went there to network with the people that were in my program and the alumni that were in my program. But don't forget that that's just one year of students. Sure. And it's a it's ten years now of that program. So uh, I went to go meet some of the people from the program, the alumni. And at one of the events, I think it was like Cafe Imports was putting on a, uh, putting on a, like a party after the show. And I was there and I was having a beer talking to this guy from Riverside who now owns Arcade Roasters, actually. And he's the one that told me about a roaster for sale in Oceanside. I was still living in La Jolla at the time. And I go, are you serious? This roaster's for sale and it's like a full on setup? It's completely set up. Grinders, everything, right? Scales, the whole bit. And, he goes, yeah, it's not on Craigslist anymore, but I took a screenshot. You want to call him? So I literally called him at that party and uh, outside, and, and we set up a meeting, and I ended up like buying the roasting spot off of him. So you bought that, and you've got you found Libra Coffee in 2015-ish. I'm assuming that's about the timeline here. Yeah, yeah. Well, how long was that learning process? I mean, I feel like learning a, a roast, learning any grinding and roasting apparatus has got to be difficult but you're stepping into one that's already existed did they did they help you learn it or did they just say here's the keys later he did help me but i'll tell you it was i got i actually the roaster wasn't that expensive relatively speaking it was actually kind of a little bit before coffee really blew up but i paid like a lot of rents of time where i wasn't even here or this it was there was nothing going on so it took a while for me to learn how to roast coffee proficiently on this machine and to really feel confident that we could sell the product. You know, a lot of it is confidence. You got to have confidence in what you're doing. And like when, when you're, if you're the kind of person that's like, I don't know, I guess more humble, you want to say, right? And realistic. You're like, well, this isn't really that good or it's not good enough, you know, or so you have to get past all that. And then, and, and for me, it was literally time on the machine. I finally, as I started to grow some, some bigger accounts, I, I, I felt like we, we got to a place where we are at a level where we can compete with some of the best ones out there. Yeah, I have those thoughts all the time when interviews. Wait, what's that? Oh, with interviews? Yeah, I'm like, oh, you know what? Do I have enough skills yet? Do I have enough time doing this? Generally, the answer is no, but I do it anyway. Exactly. <laughs> the risk isn't as bad as, as it is for you with coffee. Yeah. You got to keep pushing forward. And eventually, someday you go, oh, I don't have those same butterflies in my stomach today. And that's what we teach our kids, right? Okay. Like, uh, no matter the first time they do anything, they're not going to be as good as they will once they have 10,000 hours. And like Joe Rogan or anyone else, they had to, they had to just start somewhere. It's not like they were just some given gift. So you, you start roasting and you're getting, you said you have clients, you, you went subscription based right away instead of going with a coffee shop and you were doing subscriptions before I think a lot of people were, I mean, now with the pandemic, everyone is saying I subscription, like we need to get this out there on a wholesale basis, but you started that way. Why make that choice? Um, instead of, 
I think everyone kind of has this romantic view of opening a coffee shop and what that'll be like once it's open, but money. you decided not to do that. How come? I just don't, didn't have the money to do that. I, you know, I barely had, I had enough money to buy the roast, the roasting operation. And, uh, I started with a subscription because I thought it was, a, it's a scalable concept. And I like the fact that you, you, you have a whole nationwide audience to send to USPS is amazing to be able to send something across across the country for like $5 and something cents is incredible. And it still keep it super fresh. Uh, it's just taken a lot of turns though. It hasn't been just subscription. I've gone, I've always kept a subscription, but it's not like I was making money right away. I do a variety of things to make money and still today to do that. You know, I, I look at the, the machine eventually, like a couple of years in, I was like, I wasn't sure I was going to make it. Right. I was like, I don't think this is going to work out. Like, uh, you know, I remember it. I started having a couple of big roasters came by to look at it, the machine, and that possibly selling selling it. And like, I was just like, oh my god! I almost like teared up just thinking about the idea of this this dream not working out. And uh, so I had to take a different approach. I ended up looking at it like a um, like a platform. So there's different ways to make money using my machine, which is to rent time on the machine, to toll roast, or to co-roast, or uh, our subscription or just anything I could do to make money at it, basically, you know? Yeah. You said uh, something that's interesting. I mean, co-working spaces were kind of mm-hmm. all the rage a few years ago. And obviously this year, not so much. They had been growing and growing. And you're kind of saying something similar with your coffee roasting machine, where would you would you be roasting for other people or would they come in and work on your machine? I think one of the biggest things that worked out for me was uh, I had somebody from Las Vegas roasting on our machine for like a couple of years. And he became a mentor uh, for me because he just has a ton of actual experience, not theoretical experience. Like I have all this theory, right? All this, uh, I have genetics uh, class experience. I have agronomy experience in my head, right? But I, I never, you know, you know, you learn mostly by doing. So anyways, we had somebody come in and he was just a really, he's a really strong roaster. So it was great to learn from him. I learned basically, I think it took, took it to another level. And then also, so, so it was a win-win. He was paying me to roast on the machine and I got to learn from him. So he was one I was willing to let roast on the machine. Sure. I wouldn't say that I would let anyone roast on the machine because there is a liability to that. Right. And, um, you know, we have people that are really good roasters that come in, but they'll, we'll just roast with them just so that we, you know, we don't have to give keys out to everybody and, everything is strictly confidential with us. Like there's not, if you're able to secure the business, like that's good enough for us. Right. And we're still, you know, benefiting from it. So. So it's been six years that you've been learning and roasting and working on, on this machine. How is your coffee kind of your philosophy? Like you mentioned, you had all that, that education. Now that you've been putting into practice, how do you look at that those coffee beans differently now than from the beginning? Or has there been a change in kind of your roasting philosophy? Yeah, I think it was hard for me to figure out how to tweak my machine to be able to do the kind of coffees, like the third wave coffees that I wanted to do. I've always loved third wave coffee. That was an evolution, just getting to the point where we could take a machine from the early 90s and turn it into a machine that could actually do like like coffee that you would get at, say, Bird Rock or something like that. And as far as the evolution, like, I think now that we're taking a big push on our subscription, you know, because it's all the all the rage right now, I, I'm really excited about like these new processes that are that are out, out there. 
and all the experimental coffees. We have something coming out next month. It's going to be carbonic maceration. And it's like, um, these are just like experimental processes that I'm hoping to bring to people that are subscribing. And even if we don't make any money off of it, I like, I want to be able to, because you know, there's expensive a green coffee. I want to be able to, to, to bring these, highlight these really interesting coffees along with, so you'll, you'll get a, a, like an 11 or $13 a pound green coffee. And then some, and then the next time you might get a $3 or $2 a pound green coffee, but you're going to get like a surprise. And I like, I, I, for me, that's interesting. And I'm hoping that, uh, that our subscribers like that too, you know? Well, and there's kind of a, an education piece to it, like with beer or mountain biking, or I, I use these examples a lot, I think, but where you start you know, in one place and you end up somewhere totally different. And I've never gone to a brewery where they said, well, we don't want you to sample, you know, all 10 different things we do. And even for the roaster or for a brewer, it's interesting to make new things and to learn new skills and it is. keep adding those into your toolbox. Despite uh, kind of all the different varieties of coffee, you know, that we're talking about here, coffee is relatively simple in the sense that it's essentially coffee beans and water and how they're put together is what what matters. And you guys have this mission statement I wanted to read for listeners. It says that you you believe coffee should have a purpose. That is why we have built a platform on which to provide clean drinking water for those who are less fortunate while aiming to create a sustainable model for improving our coffee quality. We promise that Libra will never compromise our quality, integrity, or environment in pursuit of monetary gain, which I thought was a really powerful kind of statement. Right. And I'm wondering why why the focus on water and how are you following through on that to the clean drinking water promise and efforts? How does that work? People are buying your coffee. They can feel good about what they're doing. Yeah. And we need to communicate that better. Actually, it's based on our subscription model only because a lot of the other parts of our business are, you know, they're they're just a different model. So it's really after that subscription. And that's what I'm trying to get people to get involved in this. So we started working with this company called Sawyer for the actual uh, the filters and uh, and it did it was it was like a uh, for every bag you buy it's two people get clean drinking water and now we've moved to a different a different provider for our clean drinking water it's actually it's through life straw it's another all these are outdoor outdoor based pro, uh, businesses that have um, have these social missions and like the ones we're using now they they'll they're more community based so we're able to like like in Kenya for example we'll have like these filtration systems that will service an entire uh, community of like, say, 200 people at one time, or like at a school, for example, where all the kids are playing and they have this this filter. In the beginning, I thought we were going to do it uh, directly, like because of my relationships with all these different people in the different countries, that they are going to be the sort of ambassadors for the program. But it's evolved into realizing that I can't do everything. So like the number one thing about starting a, or having a business, owning a business is that you can't do everything. Like, I just am terrible at accounting, right? I'm just like, it's not my thing. Everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. So this this part, I had to outsource to LifeStraw. That's where we're at now with it. I want to, I need to actually do a better job of communicating this because we're taking these proceeds and we're literally just like, here's the money. Let us know how it goes. And, you know, we'll hear, you know, it's a Western Union transfer. And we'll, we'll hear about it like, you know, three to six months later. And here's a bunch of photos and stuff, but sometimes you don't even get the photos. You know, you just, uh, you, it's not like, it's not all about, mar- you know, for them, it's not all about that. So 
we need to do a better job of communicating about it though, because it is a tr tremendous part of our our company. In fact, it's on the logo. The the logo is has two two water symbols on it, and then in the center is a coffee bean. And without great coffee, we can't do anything better for the world. Well, water is such an important issue in general. And I mean, partnering with a company like Lifestyle, saying admitting to yourself, hey, this isn't my expertise, and and one, I don't have time to continue pursuing it. Finding a company that's already doing that and doing a good job of it, Lifestraw is obviously huge at this point. Yeah, is another way of going about it until maybe you get to that point where you, you can invest more. But also, like uh, we think, I talked to my wife about it because we we've talked about living in Southern California. We don't really control our water here. You know, we're dependent on other sources for it to a lot of extent. Right. In coffee, in particular, you know, maintaining consistency involves your water quality and whatever filtration you're using. And, and we think about that as being, well, it's kind of a pain that we have to get our water from somewhere else or we have to, you know, have these water bills. And then you think about other countries who they don't even have clean drinking water to begin with. Right. So you're coming in and trying to create a clean drinking water system to keep people healthy, which yeah, obviously we need. You have, a, you have a river and you have, it starts at the top of the mountain or higher up. And it works its way down. And meanwhile, people are bathing in that same water that you're going to end up that these that people are using. And so it gets dirtier and dirtier as it as it flows. And then you have children and women mostly, and the children who who they're taking care of going and walking to go get the water. So they're not in the kids are not in school. They're with their mother, and and they're going to go. They're going to walk for miles on end to go get water. And bring it back, and it's 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 a serious problem, and it's something that we I I'm glad you mentioned it because it's something that I have put on the list of things that I need to do ASAP because this was the whole focus of the business like originally, and I sort of actually need to get back on that. And what my goal this year was to go to Origin, right? My goal of of 2020 is to go to Origin, which obviously did not happen, <laughs> but I wanted to go. And I wanted to go to a place where we're providing clean drinking water and I wanted to see firsthand the issue so that I would feel that I could talk about it better. Because like I said, I'm all about being a very, I, I like to be honest with everything that I'm trying to do. And to be there and see the problem firsthand is, is really what I, I want to do so that I want to lead with it next year, you know, yeah. when I go. I need to lead with it. I almost feel like it's, it's more important than talking about coffee. It's be like, support our mission. Our coffee's great. You'll love our coffee. Don't worry about that. But you're really doing this, you know? Right. And I, I, that's where I want to go with it. Well, 2020 definitely has put a damper on a lot of plans. My New Year's resolution was to uh, be more proactive about going out and socializing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that, I literally wrote it down. I said it to my wife because last year I spent a lot of time camping and kind of I wrote a book. And so I was really in my own little head for a while. And I thought, okay, 2020, back out in the world. I'm going to take the wife out. We're going to go out for dinners. We're going to go drinks and dancing. All meet what meet up with friends we haven't seen. It's so ironic. So I kind of blame myself to, to an extent for the pandemic. Because if I went to it, made that New Year's resolution, exactly. this would have probably not happened. Well, that's what's so crazy. <laughs> the thing about coffee shops, right? Coffee shops are community hubs. People that go to churches, they go to school, they go on dates. And all of that is like, has been sort of, has been postponed. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. It's got to be really tough for coffee shop owners right now. It's a large, large investment. Yeah, I think that's why coffee is so important right now is because it's one of those things, like even now I'm drinking this cup of coffee that I that I got delivered to my house. Yeah. 
I didn't get to go pick it up, but it kind of made me feel normal just to make it and drink it every morning. And it gives me a routine to get into the day. And even though the rest of the day right. is different than it would have been, I have kind of this baseline and I have this thing to look forward to, to say, all right, when I am going to go out again, it's going to be for this purpose. And it's usually to get coffee or, or to meet people that are getting coffee. I think I know, I don't remember all of the great cups of coffee I had, but I generally remember the conversations or the stories or the people I met. Yes at those coffee shops. And that's why coffee is so important. It's, it's this thing that brings us together. And speaking of being out, you do this thing, which I think is inherently cool, because I do love to be outside and camp, which is you do pourables, right, which are like kind of single serving of good coffee that you can take with you and just prep really quickly. How did you get into that or go about developing it and kind of getting it to the point where you felt the pourables, the single servings were the same quality as your you know, your roasted bags of coffee that people can order on your website. Yeah. I mean, I found out about that product when I was doing the master's program. That's something that's very popular in Japan. And so that's where I kind of, you know, found an interest in it. I said, ooh, this is really cool. And so uh, I found a co-packer and, uh, to, to, to make that product. And I was like, I think probably one of the co-packers' first customers. And so I started, I, I, I pushed that out there. It's really good for content. You know, for uh, social media and stuff, we got a lot of camping followers because of it. We've done uh, brand partnerships with uh, Reef and Prana and, um, geez, all sorts of brands. I'm drawing a blank at the moment. But, yeah, it even won uh, Gear of the Year, Men's Journal. Wow. Yeah, it's been it's been a cool one. But, again, that's part of the platform of the roast, of roaster because it's not a lot of coffee. And our, and our core business is roasting coffee, right? We have I, – I pay for a space. I have a roaster. I have a lot of green coffee on my floor. It, it, it takes it's 12 grams of coffee. So it's, uh, you need a lot of grams to roast a lot of grams there. Yeah, but I like the idea that I could, if I were, if I were drinking my regular cup of coffee at home from Libra, and then I was going to be gone for the weekend, I don't have to deal with like hauling along like a French press or doing all the stuff. I can grab the pourables and, you know, yeah. as long as I can heat up water, I'm okay. Exactly. And also, if you run out of coffee at your house, it's nice to have those things around. I mean, that saved me so many times, even though I have a lot of coffee here. I don't always bring it home, you know. I know I can come, I can come here and have a, a, a really a La Marzocco quality shot of espresso. But if I'm at the house, I'll sometimes run out. But it is, and to your point, like I went camping up a couple weeks ago, and I made uh, two portables. I took the, the Ethiopia and the Colombia, and I kind of put them together in a way. I like poured one in and I, I topped it off with a little eat. And it was probably the best cup of coffee I've had all year. <laughs> I, I, I was like, it was, a, it was the weirdest thing. I was like, either I'm really enjoying this environment or this coffee's like legitimately, I don't, you know, I hit the jackpot on this particular, the way I blended it together. So yeah, I mean, it, 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 it shows you can drink quality coffee on the go, which is cool. Yeah. And coffee is always better uh, if you're on a mountain or in the woods somewhere, I think. I agree. Or, you know, water. Yeah. Why is it like you go to Europe and you have a coffee like, you know, for some reason you're, you have a coffee in Europe, it tastes better or something, you know, like somewhere different. It doesn't matter what the quality is. I mean, it could be better, but it could also be yeah. like diner coffee. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, oh, this is Dude, actually diner coffee is like on the rise. I think people are starting to appreciate diner coffee even more now. That's something that it's like anything when you get into it, um, you re people go really far and go, well, I can only drink this great thing. And I found that I've gotten far enough on the other side of my coffee drinking and far enough on the other side of my beer drinking that I can 
I can go back and say, yeah, you know what? Give me a PBR and I'm good. Or give me, you know, I can stop at Denny's and get a cup of coffee if I'm meeting someone. Yes. It comes back to that idea that coffee is about the connections you're making and the experiences you're having. Exactly. I agree. I want to uh, kind of bring this together and close up with a, a two-part question, which is you kind of partially answered it, but simply, if you're not drinking coffee for work, what's your go-to style of coffee that you that you would drink if you're just out? If you went to visit another coffee shop, what would you order? And then two, you know, what do you guys have coming up? What's the best way for people to support you guys uh, through the holiday season? Obviously, you have subscriptions, but is there anything else that uh, people should look for or something that you guys are doing? Yeah. Uh, when I go to a coffee shop, what do I order? Hmm. That's a good one. I, I think... If I go to a coffee shop, I usually just order a black coffee. You know, I don't, I don't really, unless I'm going, it depends, I guess. If I go to like, say a Lofty, for example, which I would say is probably one of my go-tos if I'm not going, I'm not drinking my own stuff, I'll, I'll order a Cortado. I mean, I think that's like, that's the way to go right there. A Cortado or uh, a black coffee, just a, it's just a regular old drip. A lot of times it's, it's, it's still like a super solid, super solid cup at some of these places. The first time that I ever drank coffee, actually, uh, in a coffee shop, I was in Chicago, and I asked, you know, what do you su- what do you suggest? You know, I've never had a cup of coffee before. And after we got over the fact that they didn't understand that I had never had coffee before, as, <laughs> yeah, okay. as a thirty year old adult, there was about six people working in the shop, and they were all there at the register arguing over what I should drink, and they all disagreed, but they all had one comment: was drink your coffee black until you know what you like, Boom. so you can actually taste flavors of these coffees. And so when you said that you generally order black coffee, I like that because it's wherever you go, you can kind of get a sense of what their quality is. You can, you can cover up a lot of things with a lot of cream and sugar. And so right. I've kind of taken that to heart and I, I've, I've stuck with black coffee ever since. So. Yeah. Yeah. If I have to go to a Starbucks, I'll do the, the blonde, the, the, the blonde <laughs> espresso. I'll do, I'll do that. You know, uh, actually it's not, it's not that bad, The it's, it's up there. I would say the blonde is, it's in the game. Relatively well, there's a reason why Starbucks is as big as they are. I mean, they, they're smart. Yeah, yeah. They're smart and consistent. Yeah, exactly. So then to follow that up then, you know, how can people support you guys and uh, find your coffee? And, you know, what are you guys going to be doing for the next few months? Yeah, LibraCoffee.com. I mean, that's our, uh, we're, we're really pushing the subscription right now. I'm going to be switching to a different platform. I'm going to get off of, uh, we're on WordPress right now. We're moving over to Shopify soon enough so you can buy individual bags. Because right now you have to be a subscriber. You can cancel or pause anytime though. So you can, you know, if you just want to try it and sure. uh, you can always cancel it, but we like the surprise. So that's the main thing is uh, our subscription service is the main way to go. To be honest, that's all we're going to do. I might be doing another run of portables and doing like a little gift pack. I'm just checking that out. I got to pull the trigger on that soon, but that I would say that, that, uh, that our subscriptions are number one. You're going to get some badass coffees in there. Straight up, I, some of the stuff I don't even make money on. I just do it for the passion. So, <laughs> yeah, I would I would do that. That's a problem I think a lot of people have in in coffee, and <laughs> they don't do it for the money. They do it because they love coffee and they love sharing coffee. Yeah, you can't. Uh, yeah, someone one of my uh, the importers I work with says you can't eat passion. Still got to make money to be able to buy, buy food. So yeah, I mean, luckily we have some other revenue streams with this with this business. You know, we do a lot of private label and things like that. So you know, it keeps us keeps us going. But I, I am actively trying to grow the subscription business. And I think that um, those that are in it, they don't really leave because it, they enjoy what we're giving them. It's a diverse, we diversify the experience big time. So 
Well, I would say uh, thanks for joining me for a cup of coffee to talk about Libra. And it's LibraCoffee.com for anyone looking for a subscription where they're going to get kind of a variety of coffees month to month. And uh, I would say congratulations and cheers. Thank you very much, man. Great to meet you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Roast West Coast, the podcast. Everyone's path to coffee and in business is different. Libra Coffee started as a sampler subscription service, then turned into a roastery and a co-roaster and a developer of innovative products like their single-serving pourables. And I'd be willing to guess that Eric won't be taking his foot off the gas when it comes to continually improving and expanding his reach. Head to RoastWestCoast.com to learn more about Libra Coffee and find all of the up-to-date promo codes for coffee discounts, including the previously mentioned One Wildlife, which will get you your first bag free at LibraCoffee.com, and you'll also find a schedule of our remaining shows. On Friday, Chris O'Brien of Coffee Cycle will be back for his last Coffee Smarter episode of Season 1. We have a long conversation about first, second, and third wave coffees, and then we go beyond just getting coffee smarter and talk about his evolution in, his passion for, and his experiences in the coffee community. Then, to close up shop on Season 1 next week, I meet up with the founders and creative team behind Vista California's Marea Coffee to talk about their coffee efforts and collaborations with famous guest roasters from the action sports world, including surf filmmaker Taylor Steele, skateboarder Danny Way, and pro snowboarder Kimmy Fasani, just to name a few. If you want to share this show with a coffee-loving friend, just let them know that they can search for Roast West Coast on any of the major podcasting platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or even YouTube. You can even stream it on thecoastnews.com. They have been great partners of this show. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating and review. It really helps listeners find a new show like this one. And if you just listened to this show for the first time, go back to check out the great episodes with North County San Diego coffee roasters from Zumbar, Steady State, Ironsmith, Leap, Lofty, Mostra, Stash, and Manzanita Coffee Companies. Not to mention all of the Coffee Smarter episodes with Chris O'Brien, founder of Coffee Cycle in Pacific Beach, San Diego, which help us make a better cup of coffee every morning. Thank you again a million times over for helping us spread the word. And if you're on social media, tag at One Wildlife Co. on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter so we can find you too. The links are in the show notes. I know the holidays are technically over, but that is no reason not to keep spreading a little bit of good vibes by sending someone a great bag of coffee. After 2020, we need to start this year off with as many of those good vibes as we can. And you really cannot buy coffee from too many local roasteries this year. The money you spend there will go a long way towards supporting not just that one small business, but all of the employees that work there, all of the places that they support, the vendors they work with, and so many more. The impact of those purchases really ripples out in a community. This episode of the Roast West Coast podcast has been produced and recorded by me, Ryan Holt. I hope this show finds you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. And, as always, be sure to drink good coffee.